name is Melissa Meredith, your host for the Daily Wellness Podcast. If your day could use a dose of healthy living inspiration, you're in the right place. Call me a crunchy mom, health nerd, whatever. I'm just a normal mom trying to do what's best for her family, and I happen to love talking about all things health and wellness. Join me as we learn from like-minded people, change the health legacy of our families, and take our wellness to the next level. Welcome to the Daily Wellness Podcast. There are two realizations I hope you walk away with after listening to today's episode. One, a healthy hormone system is vital to your overall health. And two, the toxins in common personal care products can negatively impact your hormone system. Today, Stephanie Greenwood joins me on the podcast. Stephanie is the owner of Bubble and Bee Organics, a company with clean ingredient personal care products. She created this company due to her own health struggle with hormone issues and realizing that the products she was using were making her worse. She generously shares her inspiring story of healing, fills us in on harmful ingredients we should avoid, and gives us great advice for anyone feeling stuck in their health journey. I wanna give a quick shout out to a listener. Propflinger says, I loved hearing your story and having it be a family journey. Excited to learn with you about hormones. Crazy. (laughs) That made me laugh. We are for sure learning together, friend, and you will love this episode. Thanks to all of you for reviewing, rating, following, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. It means so much to us. Now here's your dose of daily wellness. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for joining the daily wellness podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, I am so excited to talk to you. Very glad that we're connecting because you have a really powerful story to tell. So can you start by introducing yourself to us? Yes, my name is Stephanie Greenwood. I'm the owner of a company called Bubble and Be Organic. And I'm a mom to a 15-month-old now. I love that. That's awesome. And I really want to hear about your health journey. I've read a little bit of a, about it just from what you've told me. So can you kind of start back and tell us about your health journey, kind of how it started when you were pretty young? Yes. In 2005, I was 25 and I had had a lot of troubles with my monthly cycle where I would maybe bleed for months on end or not have a period at all. And Every time, like in my teens or my early 20s, the doctor would say, oh, you're still developing. It'll normalize. And I just kept hearing it'll normalize. It'll normalize. Well, after a lot of pain and irregularity, I finally was diagnosed when I was 25 with adenomyosis. And adenomyosis is very similar to endometriosis, but the the overgrowth of endometrial cells is kind of contained within the uterus. But you have so much growth of those endometrial lining cells that it kind of breaks through the muscle of the uterine wall. And so it's basically an enlarged uterus. And the, the answers that I got were pretty sparse of what can we do about this and what causes it? And They were just kind of like the doctors didn't really have an answer for me. Like, well, we don't really know what causes it. Let's just put you on birth control to normalize your cycles. And I didn't really feel comfortable doing that because I just felt like that was covering up the symptoms and not actually getting to the root of the problem. 
Yeah. I, I, first of all, I think that sounds very painful and I'm sorry that you went through that. Oh yeah. It's, it, it is pretty painful. And, uh, but it's, it's given me a journey where I've learned so much about my body and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. I could see that. I feel like at that age that when you were at that time, like I knew very little about my body, to be honest. And I've been trying to do better about that with my girls as far as teaching them, but I really didn't understand my body and how it worked. So I can understand being thankful for that journey in that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back then, you know, almost 20 years ago, it was still very much taboo to talk about periods and, you know, quote, women's troubles. And it was kind of, it was very much hushed, you know, and, and it was, it was not something that a lot of people talked about, especially publicly. Yeah. You kind of are in the dark. You don't go to a girlfriend and talk about things or, you know, talk about it with your family because it's kind of, you know, hush, hush. So we're kind of in the dark and we didn't have social media. We didn't have as much information as at our fingertips, you know, back then as much. Yeah, that's true. I did at that time, I really wanted to get to the root of the problem. And so I started researching on my own and I learned about estrogen dominance syndrome. And that is when your body is not making enough progesterone and you are just in an estrogen dominant state. So you don't have the up and down the cycles that you're supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Can we stop right there? I just want to clarify a couple things. So your beginning symptoms, you were having obviously probably pain, right? Yeah. Regular periods. Um, what were some other of those beginning symptoms? Yeah. Like I would have really heavy periods. One time I was bleeding nonstop for three months with, you know, just no end in sight, you know, a lot of pain, acne, fatigue, And were you going to mainly like one doctor that was helping you with this? Or had you seen several doctors at that point? I had had seen several doctors because I was in my 20s. So I was moving around a lot and, you know, didn't have a whole lot of stability. But I had seen several different doctors throughout the years for that. Until finally somebody diagnosed me with adenomyosis. One thing I read um, on your website, actually, um, in your bio was that Um, this is a little quote from you. You said they wanted to put me on birth control to regulate my hormones, but I felt like that was just covering up the symptoms and not addressing the actual hormone imbalances. And you, you kind of talked about this already getting to the root issue, but how did you know that you needed to get to the root issue? I mean, with uh, no one was telling you that, was that just something like your instinct telling you that or what, how did you get there? I'm very, a very curious person. I love to know how things work and why things work and why things are the way that they are. I guess maybe I'm a perpetual four-year-old where I'm always like, but why, but why, why? Why?" That's a great quality to have. (laughs) So I really wanted to understand what was going on. And especially when they said, well, the only cure for you would be to have a baby or have a hysterectomy. And I'm like, I'm 25 and neither of those things are an option for me right now. I love that because I think that's so unusual. Like number one, that you had this idea that you needed to get to the root issue because in our typical medical care system, I don't think that's a common thought or question or journey. Like people just say, well, this is what they said. My options are end of story. Um, And then two, that that you took those steps and 
um, you know, actually acted on that and started doing your own research? Yeah, it was, it was kind of an interesting journey to, to kind of go out on my own and start learning and to not take the answers that I had been given. And yeah, it was difficult and it was kind of lonely. I didn't have a whole lot of people to talk to about it. Yeah. Well, I thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people listening right now are going to relate to that either number one, the fact that they have an issue that they feel like they don't have a good answer to, you know, like you were stuck in that situation where, well, they said these were my options and I don't feel good about either one of those. I think there's people listening that can relate with that. And then I think there are people listening that can relate with that lonely feeling. Honestly, when you have a health issue, everybody is so unique. And when you have a health issue, you know, it's, you, you could have a diagnosis, but every symptom and facet of that for you doesn't look exactly like it does for everyone else. And it can be a very lonely feeling. Yeah, definitely. So how did you kind of press on with that? <laughs> you didn't have a lot of people supporting you. you. You were feeling lonely. Like what kept you going? Well, you know, I would say probably a little bit of anger because once I learned about estrogen dominance, I went, okay, well, why do I have too much estrogen and not enough progesterone? And that was when I learned about the certain chemicals in our foods and our body care products that will act like estrogen in the body. And these are called xenoestrogens. And I started learning about those and that kind of got me going down the, the rabbit hole, so to speak. And learning about, oh my gosh, I'm using all of these chemicals. No wonder my hormones are so off. I've been using these for so many years. So I think I was a little bit fueled by indignation. Yeah, I think that's legitimate. (laughs) Um, Xenoestrogens, let's talk about that for a minute. Like, would it be fair to say that those are kind of like fake estrogens? Yes, these are chemicals with a similar structure chemically that is very similar to estrogen. So when they come in contact with an estrogen receptor in your body, they will kind of lock in to those estrogen receptors, but because they're not the exact shape and molecular structure that the receptor understands and needs, the receptor can kind of go haywire and say, well, I think we've got some estrogen here. I think it's telling me to grow some cells. So I'm going to grow some cells here. And it might grow cells in the wrong place, or it might grow cells more quickly than it would. And then that's also blocking your body's own estrogen. And then your, your own estrogen can't do its own job. And sometimes these xenoestrogens are more stimulating to the estrogen receptor than our body's natural estrogen. So it can have an effect on our body's estrogen is a hormone that stimulates a lot of growth. It stimulates our endometrial lining. It stimulates the growth of breast cells during certain times of our cycle. And progesterone is kind of the thing that dials back the growth. Progesterone comes along and says, okay, good job, estrogen. You grew these nice cells. Now I'm going to support these cells, but stop growing. So progesterone tells the body to stop growing those cells. So if you don't have enough progesterone and you have too much estrogen, you're going to have excess growth of certain tissues. And xenoestrogens can be a part of that puzzle. 
Yeah, that's a great explanation. Um, kind of zooming back out when you were originally meeting with doctors, because of the symptoms that you had and the things that they were able to tell you, you knew you were having issues with your hormones, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You knew there was some hormone imbalance there. And then you kind of zeroed in through your own research and discoveries that these xenoestrogens were really p- playing a part in how you were feeling. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, that is accurate. Okay. So then can we talk about just the endocrine system in, in general? Like, because I feel like there are so many issues that people are having with their hormone system, the endocrine system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I want them to, to make this same connection that you've made um, about how our products and how chemicals can, you know, really interfere with our hormone system. So I was just doing, you know, in my own research um, about all of this and honestly, like at the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, man, I really got to keep learning about hormones because your hormones change. You know, you can understand your body at one point in life and then your body changes (laughs) and -hmm. you've got to keep, keep learning and understanding, you know, what's going on, but just for everyone listening so they can understand how important this really is. Like your hormone system is very, very important in your body. And it gets ignored a lot. Um, People are, I bet people are having a lot of these same symptoms that you had and just thinking that it's normal or that it will pass or whatnot. And it's, it's really not normal. Um, But your, your whole endocrine system, your hormone system is a, a very intricate system of glands and organs and your hormones affect so much in your body. They affect your metabolism, your energy, your reproduction, your growth, your development, your mood. Um, And you have these hormone messengers really that send messages through your bloodstream. That's how they work. They work through the bloodstream and they influence almost every cell organ and function in our bodies. So I just wanted to like zoom out big picture for a minute for anyone listening so that they really get a grasp on how important this topic really is. Like, have you found that as I know part of your job is educating people like through your business and your story, like, have you found that people don't really grasp the importance of that system? You know, I think a lot of people, by the time that they found me and they found my company, they usually have something going on in their body and they're, they're on a health journey where whether it's infertility or an immune issue or, you know, some kind of imbalance, they, I think a lot of my customers already understand the importance of that um, and are looking for safe products at that point. And, and that's how they find us. Yeah. That makes total sense. So what kind of chemicals or what kind of like, where are we finding these, you know, estrogens, like what products are they in? So they are in so many of our personal care products. Um, I would say if we want to talk about specific chemicals to avoid, um, we could go into that like parabens. These Mm -hmm. are a preservative that has been found to mimic estrogen and phthalates, which is found in synthetic fragrance. So anytime you see fragrance on the label of something, whether it's a lotion or a shampoo or a perfume, fragrance can contain any number of chemicals. There's about 2,500 different chemicals that can be listed under the name of fragrance. Some of them are fine and safe and others are not so safe and others we just have no data on. So I suggest to people, if you have hormone issues, avoid synthetic fragrance. Yeah. I think that's one of the easier ones to identify on a label too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And then you have things like quaternary ammonium compounds. And these are a class of chemicals very commonly used in conditioner, hair conditioner, but they are also used as uh, sanitizing agents. Mm. And quaternary ammonium compounds are unique in the fact that they really like to stick to things. So some molecules are so sticky, so to speak, that they will act like a um, a antibacterial agent or a sanitizing agent because they stick so hard to the bacteria that it actually will break up that bacterial wall and kill the bacteria or the virus or whatever it's it's grabbing onto. And same thing with our hair care products, these quaternary ammonium compounds stick to our hair cuticle and give it that slip, give it that shininess that we expect from a conditioner. Right. It's really difficult to formulate a conditioner without quaternary ammonium compounds because we have these expectations of what we think healthy hair feels like because for so long we've been using quaternary ammonium compounds and we expect our hair to feel silky and smooth and soft. And really it's just a chemical coating. And these quaternary ammonium compounds have been found to interfere with our endocrine system. And also in the waterways, as they break down, they break down into other toxic chemicals. And because like I said, they are so sticky, they will stick to microorganisms in our waterways and be an environmental pollutant and, you know, kill all of, kill that environment that's exposed to them. So they're also something that I suggest avoiding. And then finally, there's metals, metalloestrogens like aluminum and chromium and different heavy metals, lead, mercury, that also affect our endocrine system. And they can display estrogenic activities, and they are very difficult to get rid of, uh, to detoxify from. Um, but aluminum is a good one that we can easily avoid by avoiding aluminum antiperspirants. And also avoiding the crystal deodorant stones that may come as a shock because a lot of people use the crystal deodorant stones. Uh -huh. They're actually an aluminum salt. And so they don't keep you from sweating because they don't have that, that big sticky molecule, basically, that aluminum chlorohydrate is. But the crystal deodorant stones are an aluminum salt. And the aluminum, when you wet a crystal deodorant stone, you're releasing ionic aluminum, which is the smallest form of aluminum possible. Like, you know, you've probably heard don't cook acidic foods in aluminum cookware because it will leach out the aluminum. Right. That's ionic aluminum that's being leached. So when you wet a crystal deodorant stone, you're it's it's that form of aluminum. It's ionic aluminum that's being released. And the way that it works is the aluminum ion will replace the water molecule in your skin's collagen. And this same chemical that's the, that's the, the crystal deodorant stone is made of is used in tanning leather because it does that same thing. It replaces the water molecule with the aluminum ion and dries out the skin. 
and that's how it also it also works. That's excellent. And if you everyone's like me and you're like, I'm not going to be able to remember all of that, you can always go back and rewind and take notes and that you, you can take those notes to the store with you and you can look for those ingredients and you can kind of start to educate yourself on these types of ingredients that people are, that companies are putting in our products, which kind of begs the question, like if these, if these ingredients are not good for us, like why are companies using them? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of it is like with the quaternary ammonium compounds, it's they've created that consumer expectation of how our hair should feel. We didn't have these class of chemicals prior to probably the 1970s and our hair all felt a lot different back then because we didn't have these chemicals. But now they've been around for so long that now we think that our hair should feel a certain way when it's really just a chemical coating that you're feeling. Yeah. Very interesting to think about. It really makes you think, um, you know, about what you're using. And I think you're right. I think people do have an expectation. And, you know, if a company was to go and change their formula and you started using the new formula and you didn't like it, then you wouldn't buy it and they would lose money. (laughs) Right. So, so the idea is, is really just, they're trying to make money because they're a business. And so I'm, you know, they're a business, so I guess they can do what they want, but I think it's our responsibility as consumers, as parents, you know, uh, as people that care about our health to do our own research and, you know, buy products that really align with our values and our health goals. And so this is all really enlightening and great information. Um, (laughs) I was doing, um, new research because I hadn't really looked this up in a while. And, um, the old numbers that I kind of had in my head haven't changed. Apparently it, it, I think the U S bans about 11 total ingredients, somewhere at nine to 11, um, ingredients that they either won't allow companies to use in their products or, you know, they'll kind of curb the use of, they can only use to a certain extent, only 11 that they, that they don't allow. Whereas like, you know, compared to the European union that, you know, they have banned like over a thousand is about 1300, I think is a current number of how many chemicals they don't allow used in their products. Mm-hmm. Um, so people just need to know that kind of information and know that like, if you are, you're living in the United States, like they're not really regulating the use of chemicals. And even though there is more and more research coming out about all these things that Stephanie just shared about, like they're still in the market, they're still being used, they're still in your products. And so if you don't want that, you know, you have to educate yourself and, and start making your own choices. And one of the arguments that some of the chemical industry researchers will have is that, oh, well, these chemicals aren't absorbed. They're not absorbed deep into the bloodstream. And so thus they're safe. But the thing that we need to remember is that our skin is an organ. Of course, it's our body's largest organ. And absorption, how deep into the tissue it is absorbed really is irrelevant because our skin is its own complex organ that functions and helps us even regulate our hormones. We have uh, enzymes in our skin called estrogen sulfotransferase enzymes. These enzymes are responsible for flushing out our body's estrogen. And if you are putting estrogenic chemicals on your skin, then your estrogen sulfotransferase enzymes are 
being used to flush out those estrogen-like chemicals instead of our own estrogen. So if you have enough of those xenoestrogens interfering with that enzyme activity, then that's another way that you can end up with an excess of estrogen because then your enzymes are not properly flushing out your own body's estrogen. Yeah, that's fascinating. Really important. Um, this is like layer upon layer of of hormone problems stacking up here. <laughs> yeah, I could talk for three hours. There's so much more. Yeah, with 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 the hormone system because it is so complex, and it affects our inflammation. If you're in a state of estrogen dominance, um, you know the, another another syndrome that I was diagnosed with is PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome. And in that, there is a lot of inflammation and you have problems with your blood sugar control and are insulin resistant and in an inflammatory state. So these things do, when your endocrine system is disrupted, like you said earlier, it affects so many systems of our body. It affects the way that our cells will absorb glucose or not. And it you can be in an inflammatory state. And that's another thing about birth control. Um, Of course, it's everybody's decision on, uh, you know, what you take into your body. But one thing that people don't realize is that when you take birth control, you're using those synthetic chemicals to have a false cycle. And you can be in an inflammatory state without realizing it. You can have hormonal imbalance but it's being covered up by the synthetic chemicals that are in the birth control. So you don't know if your body is in an inflammatory state or not until some kind of big chronic issue pops up. So if you are on your, if you're not on a, a hormonal birth control and you're having your cycles, that's a great message to yourself that, okay, I am in, in an okay state. I'm not in an inflammatory state. And because my cycles are happening regularly. So I like to have those not covered up with synthetic chemicals so that I know, okay, I'm doing okay with my personal care products. I'm doing okay with my diet and, and all of that. My body's not in a state of inflammation. And I think a lot of the time when people go off of birth control, they're kind of shocked to realize, oh, I'm not getting my period back. Or, you know, I, I didn't know I had hormone imbalances because it was being covered up. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. I appreciate you sharing that part of your journey because you're, you're totally right. I agree with you that, you know, I'm all for people making their own health decisions. And if, you know, you want to take birth control, you think that's the best for you, you have that choice, but a lot of people just honestly don't know, um, how birth control works, what it's doing to your body, what the side effects are, what it's made of. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a really good highlight. Thank you for sharing that. Another thing, um, kind of going when you were talking about chemicals absorbing into your skin and some of the argument being, well, you know, it's not really a lot being absorbed, et cetera, et cetera. Another interesting stat that I found was that an average woman uses 12 personal care products a day, which comes out to an average of 168 total ingredients per day. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Like, so if you think, well, this product just has a little bit of that, you know, and it's may, may or may not be absorbing very much, but if you do that times 12 products using 168 ingredients on average per day, 
Like mm-hmm. a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here really adds up to a lot. Mm-hmm. It really does. It really does. That's something that I've been mindful of. I I love that you are a new mom. Um, it's kind of like you have your your business as your first baby. That's <laughs> now 15 years old. Congratulations. It is. Thank you. Yeah. And now you're a new mom. So you get another congratulations. I'm so happy <laughs> for you. I was just thinking about that whole story and how, you know, you were at 25 um, struggling with these health issues, felt like you didn't have a good solution. And now here you are, you know, a first time mom and healthy and thriving. And that just gave me chills when I was thinking about your story. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I learned so many things along the way about diet and, you know, a lot of things that we could go into, but, um, but, you know, a lot about diet and supplements that can help if you have hormone imbalances and also emotional toxicity is a big one. I agree. Um, I was, I was in an abusive relationship for 17 years and that definitely had an effect on my hormones. And, you know, as soon as I got out of that, I saw an instant improvement because even though I was eating the perfect organic low carb diet and taking all the supplements and avoiding chemicals and personal care products, my hormones were still, they were improved from where I was when I was 25, but I still had issues. And I realized it was that stress from being in that very toxic relationship. And the minute that I got out of it, so many of my PMS symptoms went away and I never had a missed period. And the pain is way more manageable now. And I ended up getting pregnant despite still having a PCOS diagnosis, despite being in my forties, the doctors had told me, uh, you know, with your age and with your PCOS, you should just not, if you want kids, just go straight to IVF. And Mm -hmm. even then you only have a 20% chance of getting pregnant. So I had given up on having kids. I really had like grieved that as a loss in my life. I went, okay, I gave my reproductive years to an abuser and I just have to deal with that. And I grieved it and I was making peace with that. And then I got pregnant. (laughs) So it's been a wonderful opportunity and I'm so, so grateful for it. Yeah, I'm so thankful. I'm happy for you. I really appreciate you sharing that. And so inspirational. I think that a lot of people need to hear what you just said about thinking about your whole whole health, like you're thinking about your health holistically, thinking about every aspect of your life and what could be causing the illness or disease or you know whatever struggle that you might be going through. I think that's really brilliant. I want to kind of wrap up here in a few minutes. So I have a couple last questions. What is your advice to the person that's feeling stuck with what with where they are at in their health issues? Mm. Make small steps, make one small specific promise to yourself, like I'm going to take my vitamins tomorrow and every day make one small specific, it has to be specific. You can't just say, oh, I promise I'm going to eat better. That's not very specific. Do one small promise every day and build on that, make a habit out of, okay, I took my vitamins this morning and now, okay, I feel better. And I feel like I took care of myself and you kind of parented yourself a little bit and then build on that, build those small habits and then increase from there. That's really good. And what would your advice be to 
get started using safer personal care products. Like you just listed a lot of different chemicals that we should avoid. And I know that can be overwhelming because it was for me when I started switching out my products and you're going to the store, you know, you're like trying to figure out what you can buy. You know, how do you, what would you recommend to those wanting to get started using safer products? So I would start out with what you are using the most. So if there is a lotion that you're applying all over your body, then I would start with that. What are you most exposed to? Start out with, okay, like shampoo, conditioner, and because you're you're using that very frequently, your whole body is exposed to it in heat where your skin is absorbing things more. And then work from there all the way down to mascara would be like a, a less right less prioritized because it's barely touching your skin. Right. It's a very small amount, barely touching. Yeah. I agree with that. That's a great advice. Um, I kind of did the same with food. I started with the foods that I was eating a lot mm-hmm. and started changing from there. So I love that. What is one resource that you would recommend to people getting started on a health journey? If you're getting started on a health journey, as far as cosmetic chemicals go, I do have my blog, not to self-promote, but I do have my blog on my website, bubbleandbee.com. And the blog is called The Honey. And I talk about all the different chemicals and personal care products and the research behind them and, uh, you know, how, why you should avoid them. And some of them, some chemicals, I say, hey, these are fine. You're okay to use these. Others say, "Mm, I probably would avoid that. Yeah, I have checked out your blog. I was going to recommend it if you didn't because it is really <laughs> fantastic. You can really dive deep into learning more about these issues that we've just briefly touched here today. And so I think that is a great first step. What is one healthy snack that you love? Raspberries. Favorite. They go <laughs> they go with everything. I agree, and I feel like every time I have raspberries, it's just like this special treat. <laughs> Yes. And each one tastes different. Some of them are more sour, some of them more sweet, some of them are more soft. And yeah, it's just an experience to eat raspberries and they're full of fiber and antioxidants and so, so good for you. Thank you. And then the last one is what guest would you love to see on the daily wellness podcast? Let's see. You know, I really love this author um, named Donna Jackson Nakazawa. She has written seven books, six of which are about the mind-body connection and how stress affects all the different systems of our body. Um, Amazing woman. Yeah, I think that's someone I could learn a lot from. That sounds fascinating. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to say that anyone who wants to learn more about Stephanie and her amazing company, Bubble and Be Organic, I will put her website and her a link to her blog in the show notes so you guys can check that out. You have taught us so much today. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Daily Wellness Podcast. We hope that you found it helpful for your own wellness journey. And if so, we'd love for you to leave a review. Then come back and listen for review shout outs on upcoming episodes. For more information, check out the show notes and connect with us on our website, dailywellnesscommunity.com.